Let's now jump into our final message in our contentment series. Final message in our contentment series, because sometimes it's really hard to be content. Sometimes it's really hard. Some of you guys have been practicing some of the things that we've been talking about in this series. And they've been some challenging things that we've learned, because it is the thing that you learn is how to be content. And um, because it's challenging, sometimes we practice those things, and, and we're still saying, well, man, I still don't feel it. Or I felt it for a while, things were going really well, and then something happens and I don't feel content anymore. I don't feel happy and at peace in my life. I want something different, I want something more, and it's eating me up inside. And we just live in a discontent world. So today we're going to talk about that last step. What does it take so that we can actually have contentment in our lives? How do we get there? How do we get there? There was one study that found that the average American now receives 5,000 advertisements a day. 5,000. Based on what we see, based on what we hear, people are walking around with advertisements all over their clothes, right? There's all these things bombarding us, so it's no wonder that we feel like we need more. There's no wonder that our nation right now is the most depressed and most anxious nation in the world. That that we struggle with things like contentment, because that's what we see all the time. I, I think if we ask any person, does having more stuff make you happy, They'd be like, no. Nobody would say that it does. But yet we all do that, don't we? We all just strive for more. More stuff, a different position. Whatever it is, we want something different. And I think it's because of those 5,000 advertisements and and other things. But I do also think that it's something that has uh, assailed the human hearts throughout history. That we want something that we don't have. And that's why we're discontent. Now, there was the, the great uh, Greek philosopher Plutarchy, okay? And he talked about the, actually, the Roman philosopher, I'm sorry, for those of you who are history about he, he talked about the Greek general, Pyrrhus. And that Greek general was, was going to war with Rome, and he was a great general, and he was ready to battle, and it, and it looked like, by all chance, that they were going to win the battle. And one of his advisors came up to him, to Pyrrhus, and, and he said, General, why, what are you going to do once we win this battle with Rome? When we capture the city and we win, what are you going to do? And the general said, well, then we're going to march north into the rest of it. And we're going to take over the entire country, and it's going to be ours. So then the advisor said, well, general, then what next? What will you do after you conquer all of Italy? And he pondered for a second and said, then we will turn south. We'll go to Carthage and all of North Africa, and we will take all of Africa until we rule all of the known world. And the advisor says, okay, so what will you do after that? General said, well, then we will be at peace and rest and party and be married. And the advisor says, can't you do that now? What's stopping you from being at peace and resting and partying now? Why do you need more? Why do you need to conquer more? But isn't that what we do? We feel like we need more and we need more and we need more and it never is enough. And I think, I hope that through this series that you guys can begin to see that what's more important than the stuff, the position, the change of whatever your life is, is, is the contentment because that's what we want. And you can have the contentment right now. Right now. If you choose it. So we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to verse 4. I want to cover the entire section today that we've been going over in this series, and we're going to focus on the last verse 
in this section. So would you look with me at Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 9. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, that peace of temper, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And then he finishes this section with this verse that we'll focus on today. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. So I read this whole section because it's such a powerful section. A lot of you love it. I, I think a lot of people have memorized this as they were kids if you grew up in the church. I, I've memorized it. Some of you have done it as adults. It's such a powerful section. We, we've zeroed in on a lot of different verses in there. Haven't we over this series focused on prayer, focused on thanksgiving, focused on joy, how do we get it, focused on how we think and avoid negative thoughts. But now we're going to look at that last verse. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, he says. And that way God, the God of peace, will be with you. The peace of God, the God of peace. Because that's what we want. We want to be peaceful in our life right now. We don't want to be like the general who needs to conquer more and more and more and have more in his life. And it's never enough. Because we can have peace right now. So what we need to learn how to do is to put it into practice. And what I want to challenge you today, what I want to challenge you with today is that sometimes we don't yet feel it, right? We don't feel the contentment. We don't feel the peace yet. It doesn't seem like things are right. But what we're told to do here is to practice contentment, even if you don't feel it yet. And that's our big idea. Practice contentment even when you don't yet feel it. Man, I don't feel it. I, I thought I felt it for a little bit. It's gone. But we need to practice contentment even when we don't feel it. That we're put it into practice in our verse in verse 9. We really need to do it. In fact, some translations say, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Okay, and really, Paul is kind of summarizing maybe his entire letter. So people have said, well, whatever you have learned, okay, so this is this entire letter of Philippians, or received or heard from me or seen in me. Well, he's writing this letter, so he's even talking about his time being with this church, teaching them, preaching them. You can read about it in the book of Acts. And he says, like, all this stuff that I've taught you, so it includes the other 12 letters that Paul wrote in the Bible that we have. saying all that stuff, even the things that you've seen in me, like, I've been a model, I've been among you, you've seen in my life. So this is a very broad verse. But in this section, I think we can apply it very narrowly. Because it says, and the God of peace will be with you. So here's this promise. If you practice these things. So what we're going to talk today, even though you can apply this broadly, anything Paul taught, anything Paul did, you should try to do the same. You should love your neighbors yourself. You should do all those good things. Accept others. But what I want to apply this to today is our contentment. Put it into practice. Because we need to practice contentment even when you don't yet feel it. This is maybe one of the hardest things, but the most important thing. And I hope that this will kind of summarize and recap our entire series so that you can have contentment and you will begin to feel it 
But that's the promise. The God of peace will be with you. The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But we've got to practice it first. You know, we do this pretty well because we know things like when you're going to an interview, what do you put on, right? What do you put on? What do you wear? Your clothes, but nicer, right? <laughs> you dress for the job you're going to get, right? You dress to impress. So even though you're not in the job, you put on the clothes, and then you feel better, don't you? Have you ever had that feeling when you got the new shirt on, or the new shoes, I got some new shoes today? You're feeling good, right? You're feeling good. Sometimes I even save a shirt that I buy just in my closet for that day that I need to feel good. Anybody else have ever done that? I mean, I'm weird. But sometimes we do that, you know? We, when we put on the clothes, all of a sudden we feel different. We're weird as humans, aren't we? Let's just admit it, we're weird. The thing is, we don't wait until we feel good and then we put on the clothes. Now I'm ready for the job. No, we put the clothes on and then all of a sudden we're standing tall. We're ready to go. I, I heard this story on NPR about this uh, young teenage girl. And she was really shy. She was really introverted. She was having a hard time um, just negotiating being in high school and, and being friends with people. She was so shy. And, and she had no friends. She felt lonely. But then she decided to audition to be the school mascot. And when she put on that tiger costume, all of a sudden, she came alive. <laughs> she was able to go out and talk to people and hang out and run around and dance. And everybody loved her. She was everybody's friend. She was the type, you know, she was just so a, a different person. And she wanted to wear that tiger mask out all the time then. <laughs> and this whole story was like, is that okay? <laughs> She's wearing this tiger mask out all the time. But we're so weird as humans. We put on the clothes and all of a sudden we feel differently. In the same, in the same way, we need to put on contentment, even when we don't feel it, and then our feelings will come with it. That's what I want to challenge you today. That even when you don't feel it, we act content. And then the feelings will come. You see this other places in the Bible. In, in the book of Hebrews chapter 13, we're commanded, be content with what you have. Huh? We're commanded to be content. And, and again, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul says, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. He's not saying, okay, we're going to do all these different things and then, and then maybe we'll build it in. No, he said, just be it. It's weird to, to be something, right? But that's what we're told to do. We have to be content. We have to practice content. We have to keep being content even when we don't feel it because the feelings follow after the actions. And I think too often we get those in reverse. Too often we want to feel content, feel happy before we do these other things. But that's not how it works. We're weird. For human beings, we do the thing, and then the feelings often follow after. And sometimes you have to keep doing it over and over and over. You've got to practice it, practice it, practice it. Practice it the same way that doctors practice medicine, right? You keep doing it. That doesn't mean you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. No, you keep doing it. We've got to keep practicing contentment, even when you don't yet feel it. And I want to encourage you with this. You know, one of the best ways to do it is to just act as if you are content. So think about it. A lot of the time we are discontent because we don't have enough, or we feel we don't have enough. I don't have enough money, I don't have enough stuff. But if you were content, what would you do? Instead of spending that money on that thing that you've been longing for, if you were content, you realize I don't need it. Instead, I'm going to give that money away. Hmm. 
You're acting as if you're content. John Piper said this, no amount of giving can satisfy the soul until it overflows in giving. In fact, giving things away, all of a sudden, then you will feel content. That person needed it more than I did. I didn't need the next Apple device. <laughs> I find my phone is fine, it calls people. You, you know, we have these things, I don't need that thing. And, and when we give away, you know, there's been study after study that proved that when people volunteer their time, or give away their money, they are happier, that they have better health outcomes, they're more content. Because you're acting content, and then the feelings follow after. You're acting content, and the feelings follow after. We practice it, even when we don't yet feel it. Even when we don't yet feel it. So I want to encourage you to do that. So, this can be done in a lot of ways. You know, I've talked with people, and they said, man, I was really depressed, I was really angry, I was really anxious about this situation. But then I did something to serve somebody else. Or I went down to the crossing and served a meal. Or I bought a gift for that person. I was really jealous for that situation in the life they were having. And then all of a sudden, I felt better. Seriously, I have this conversation a lot with people. They're like, man, I'm so jealous and angry at that person that they had what I wanted. But I just decided to celebrate them anyway and give them a gift. And I feel so much better. When we act content, we begin to feel it. So that's what I'm really challenging you guys to do. Step, that's a step of faith, isn't it? It's a step of faith to put that act like, I feel like I don't have enough money, I don't have enough stuff, but all of a sudden I give. And have, I, I always say this, if you don't want to give here, give somewhere else. You don't have to give to our church. You can give to anybody in need. You can give to an organization. You can give to Living Water. Give, and because I want you to experience the joy that comes with it. So God hardwired our brains and our hearts. When we act content, the feelings follow after. <clears throat> feelings follow after. You know, throughout this series, we've learned a lot of different practices, and these are some of the ways that we can practice contentment. So I want to just kind of do a little quick review. I know some of you guys have these all memorized, but I'll review just for me. You know, in our first message in this series, we talked about, it's about the source of your strength, not your situation. That's the secret of contentment, Paul said. It's not about, okay, now all of a sudden, if I were just married, if I just got out of this job, then I would be happy. You know, Paul says, no. If you have Jesus, you can do all things, he said, all this through him who gives you strength. Jesus is with you all the time, so even when things are really bad, you can be content. And then in the second week in our series, we learned to replace the habit of worry with the habit of prayer. Because we will have anxiety. We will have stress in our lives. And let's, instead of using that as this way to just jump into a worry and worry and worry, let's turn it into prayer. Because we have that same stimulus. We're going to have anxiety. We're going to have stress. But let's make it into prayer. And then you begin to develop this habit and you realize you're trusting a God that can't handle any of those situations you're going through in life. And then through that, building on that, the next week we learned to um, combat discontentment by always thanking God. By always thanking God. And this isn't like, once I get what I want, then I'll say thank you. No, it said, in the middle of the prayer, we learned. In the middle of the hardship and the thing that we're waiting for, when we don't have what we want, we thank God that He is in control. We thank God that He is working out the best outcome out of this situation. Better than anything we could ask or imagine. We're always thanking God and we're combating the discontentment in our life. We're no longer feeling as jealous because we're thanking God, man, I do have a lot of I have so many things to thank you for. 
thinking God again and again and again. And in the next week in our series, we learn to choose what's best over busyness. We jump out of Philippians 4 to the story in Luke of Mary and Martha. And we learn that, um, you know, Mary was just able to sit at Jesus' feet. Martha was doing good stuff, but she was just so busy, it was making her irritable and discontent, and she was angry at her sister and even angry at Jesus. And we learn, hey, let's just choose what's best over busyness. And when we begin to simplify our lives like that and choose what's best, contentment comes with it. And then last week, we learn to overcome negative thinking by filling your mind with what is good. It's so hard to get rid of all the negative thoughts we have. When we have those toxic thoughts, when we're angry, when we're depressed, when we, when we feel that we're worthless, it's hard to get rid of all those things. But instead, we need to learn to fill our minds with what is good. To talk to ourselves instead of listening to ourselves. And as we begin to fill our mind with what's good, we're going to be able to overcome that negative thinking. And then, of course, today, putting all this together, I want us to practice contentment even when you don't yet feel it. Let's do all those things. I hope that you've learned some of those practices in this series and that you can begin to apply those in your lives. Because when we do those things, even when we don't yet feel it, the feelings follow after and it's hard, and they go away, and that's why we keep practicing. That's why we keep practicing. You know, I love how Bobby started out this service, but by talking about, okay, do others see Jesus in you? Because one of the most powerful things about practicing contentment, about doing contentment, even when you don't feel it, I'm going to be content, when you, when you decide to do that, is that other people will see it around you. Because we live in such a discontent world that you will stand out when you're content. You will. Because everyone around you is angry and frustrated and depressed and anxious. And when we can find the contentment that God has for us, people will notice that we are different. And through that, they will be able to see Jesus. The, the philosopher Nietzsche once said, I would believe in their salvation, talking about Christians, if they looked a little more like people who had been saved. <laughs> Pretty challenging words, right? From an atheist philosopher. I would believe in their salvation if they looked a little more like the people who had been saved. I, I remember reading this quote about George Whitfield. There was a woman who met him in New York. He was a great preacher. And she said, you know, I'm not a Christian, but I almost believe in his Christianity because he is so cheerful. When we are filled with joy, when we are content in our life, even when things are terrible, we stand out and we can have a huge impact in the lives of people around us. We can. When we have that situation at work that is just not going the way we want, we're the ones who aren't just complaining and bitter and angry and ranting. They're going to be like, wow, something's different about this person. When we're going through a trial and, and, and we have a diagnosis or, or someone dies, and, and we grieve, yes. But we don't grieve like the rest of the world because we know that that loved one that we cared for is in heaven with God. Because they were believe. When we have that attitude, people are like, that's so weird. That's different. Yeah, you're, you're sad, but there's a different sadness from everybody else. The way you're living is looking different from everybody else. And I want that want that. I think we can get there, and I think if we do that, it will change our world. I really do. 
I think it will change the, the way that people are around us, and I think they're going to say, I want that, Jesus. I want to learn how you figured out how to be content in that situation. I want that. I'll always remember the story that one of my mentors told me. It was the lady that did my high school Bible study. And uh, we were at her house one day, and she had become a Christian much later in life. And I think I've told this story before, but, but it impacted me so much, I want to tell it again. She'd become a Christian later in life, so her grown children weren't believers. She really was praying for him. She went on just a few months ago. I saw her. She was here in Denver and stopped by. And um, she said, I'm still praying for, for my daughter. But, but one day, she was with her daughter, and her car broke down in the middle of a terrible rainstorm. Just completely broke down. It was awful. And, and she was starting to cry. Because <laughs> that's what we do in those situations. But then, she started to sing praise songs. And she was just singing the praise song that from church. And her daughter looked at her like she was absolutely crazy. Why are you singing right now? This isn't a time for singing. But she did because she had something in her heart that was different. And I want us to be like that. And I think we can be. That in the worst situations, God will change us. What if we truly did believe that God was taking the great and making new one? What if we really believed that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him? That He was working out these situations for the best plan for me in my life? What if we really believed that the Father in Heaven would love me so much that He would send His Son to die for me, that I could have a new life? Then nothing we were going through would be as bad. What if we truly believed that when we died we'd be given a new body? then we wouldn't be complaining so much about all our aches and pains, would we? What if we truly believed that we would spend a millennia, a millennia upon millennia with our Father in Heaven forever? Then no matter what happened, we would have contentment. See, I think that's the challenge that I want to give you today. I want you to act content, to move into contentment, to do these actions as if you were content, to practice it. And then the feelings will fall because it will have a huge impact on the people around you. Let's, can we pull up our passage in Philippians chapter 4? Can we pull up the very first um, passage? Back in verse 4, it said, Rejoice, Lord, always. I will say again, rejoice. And then it says this, Let your gentleness be evident to all. Let your gentleness be evident to all. This is the way we interact with others, how we're gentle with them and kind and loving and forgiving. And the reason why we can forgive them is because we know that we've been forgiven by Jesus Christ. The reason why we can be kind to them and not be jealous and angry and bitter is because we have a contentment in our heart. This is what God has given us. This is supposed to be explicit and everyone is supposed to see it. We're supposed to be the light on the hill. The city on a hill, the, the light in the darkness, that we are called to be that. And by living content lives, we are that. So, I want to leave you guys with a challenge in this series. And I, I want to start this week. I want you to think, if I were truly content, what would I do? Because we're practicing it, right? And that means action. It means doing something. If I were truly content with where I am in life, if I were truly content with the stuff I had, the house I live in, the job I work, the money I have, the car I drive, if I were truly content with all that, what would I do this week? Maybe it is to give away some money that you were saving up to buy that thing you just have to have. 
Maybe it's to go serve your time. Maybe it's to call that person who you've been bitter and jealous of and congratulate them on that thing that happened in their life. What is the one thing that you would do this week if you were content? That's the challenge I want to leave you today in this series. So that you can practice contentment even when you don't yet so I hope that you've enjoyed this series. I hope that you've learned a lot. And we're, we're doing something a little different today. Bobby suggested, and I said, let's try it. We always want to try some new things. So we are not going to have singing at the end of the service today. Because I want you to go and do likewise. <laughs> That's what Jesus often said. Okay, now go do it. You know, do we need to sing about it? Let's just go and do it. So, so I want you guys to stand up on your feet right now. And I'm going to leave you with a benediction, a blessing. I want to say a prayer for you as we go out that we would be the people that show contentment in our lives. And I think that God will bring that peace into our lives. That's the promise. The God of peace will be with you. The peace of God will that surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and minds and precious. So would you guys close your eyes as I say this prayer of benediction for you. Father, we thank you for sending your son to die for us. If you were willing to do that for us, you're willing to do so much more. So I pray that you'd send us all out today to be a light in the darkness, a city on a hill, that people might see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. And would you put in us the ability to be content right now, even when we don't yet feel it, so that we could go out and other roots would see the light that we have and ask us to give the reason for the hope that's in our heart, and that they too might follow you and be saved. Lord, give us contentment by helping us to practice it as we go out today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.